Hello everyone and welcome to the Brunton Bugle, the best place to get your car and fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Dan McLennan. On today's episode we reflect on what was in the end a bit of a damp squib in the Cumbrian Derby as both teams settled for a point. And we also look ahead to the long trip down to Devon this weekend as United face the daunting task of taking on promotion chasing Exeter City. Yeah, all that excitement done for the uh, Cumbrian Derby last week. It didn't quite work out as uh, we had hoped it in our predictions at the very least. So, uh, well, I was yeah. uh, I was having a, a read on the Barrow Forum and... Basically, there's two camps there. The young, the younger generation sort of see it as a derby, mm. whereas the older, who were born in Lancashire, mm. uh, they don't. I mean, they all sort of say Morecambe's their big one, but uh, yeah. you know, it was good. Good to see a good following. Uh, you know, it's and a few more home fans, but uh, mm, it no. wasn't the best of games, was it? Yeah, not the noisiest away following we've had, though. I think I don't no, know. Horsham no. were probably louder, but that's me being mischievous. There you go. Let's get straight into it, Dan, because uh, we've got a bit to fit in today. Um, news up first: uh, details for the twenty-three, sorry, twenty-two, twenty-three season of the EFL have been confirmed. Getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here, aren't we, with this one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> too, too optimistic. But, um, but yeah, so the EFL have confirmed the details for the 22-23 season, which, of course, will be disrupted due to the 2022 World Cup in Qatar taking place in November and December. I still can't get over that. I still think it's utterly ridiculous they were ever allowed to move it to the, to the winter. I mean, it's a one-off gimmick, but... The fact that they got a World Cup in Australia didn't really annoy me, but there you go. Um, so yeah, the season is going to start early on the 30th of July next summer. Um, the Carabao Cup and the trophy we don't talk about are going to start their normal times, which is I think like the second and the last week, midweeks of uh, August. Um, championship clubs are going to stop their fixtures on the 14th of November and then resume again on the 10th of December after the group stages of the World Cup. But League One and League Two clubs will not be stopping fixtures during the World Cup. Good. And, and normal rules regarding international call-ups will apply. You're quite happy with that, though, one, Dan. Are you happy that they carry on? Yeah, because it's it's our normal season. I mean, I know, I know we, we we like to watch Ecuador versus Saudi Arabia. Bring on Nicaragua versus Iraq. That's what I'm looking forward to. Where? <laughs> Nicaragua. Nic- Nic- Nicaragua. Nicaragua, that's the one. Nicaragua, good grief, boy. I'm having a nightmare <laughs> there, aren't I? Yeah. That's really annoying. I was doing a quiz online before, name the top 80 uh, ranked teams in FIFA. Ah, um, right, right. And I, I, for some reason, I have that name in my head, and I, I don't know why my head's just gone then and couldn't pronounce it, but there you go. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what will be interesting. It says mm. normal rules apply. There is one or two teams, especially in League One, who have two or three internationals. Yeah. You know, I mean... <sighs> It'd be ridiculous it's, it's, calling it's, off like three less, or four games. It's less likely because obviously it's it's pretty much the bigger teams who are there. But you know there is a small chance, of, you know, there could be a couple if if Wales get through or you know. I mean, working out of the top of my head, it's for, the first weekend is going to be the twenty first. You got the twenty first, twenty eighth, and one weekend before the tenth, where the group stage ends. So you've probably got three weekends there potentially. With starting the season early, I'm guessing we're going to lose a midweek anyway. So that probably mm. means there won't be any midweeks during that period. It'll literally just be 
the Saturday well, games. Well, we're due one next the, week, aren't we? And of course, the November midweek will disappear, I would say. Yeah, and of course, you've got the FA Cup second round as well. I was safe. just going to say about the FA Cup. So that'll be the second round on mm. one then. So very interesting. I mean, the likely situation is if England's group games happens, because I think the kickoff times are 3 p.m., 7 p.m. I think there might be one in before 3 p.m. for the group stages, possibly. I think they're doing four a day, you know. On some of the days, yeah. I think the, yeah, I think the knockout the sta- stages. The knockout stages is only two a day, isn't it? And I think they're three yeah. o'clock and seven o'clock. So you might find that if England are playing at three o'clock on a Saturday, that all the games are going to have to be either moved to the next day or potentially midday kickoff or something like that, won't they? I think. Well, the maybe. problem with that is you won't know until the groups are finished. So it would be very late. Wouldn't well, it? The, well, the knockouts knockout is going to be more difficult, but you sort of have a general idea. Maybe you can look yeah. at it and sort of say, okay, we know that there's a chance England are going to possibly be playing at the same time. So let's yeah. avoid it. Basically, you, yeah. you'd like to think they'd be sensible enough to do that, but I've well, well, I've this horrible feeling that EFL and being sensible yeah. doesn't really work together, does it? Um, I don't know if there's any other bits of news, is there, Dan? I think I've, I've noticed that the, I think the Shrewsbury Cup ties are going to be a three o'clock on the Saturday, it looks like. I think it's been put in anyway on all the systems. Yeah, it's, uh, which is no surprise, really, is yeah. it? Be interesting to see what the, the club do in terms of ticket to that, because, of course, we've got the Harrogate game midweek coming up next week, and then you've got the Walsall game on the Saturday at home. Then you've got the game that we don't talk about against some team from the division above in a competition we don't like. Um, and then you've got the Saturday home game against Shrewsbury, four home games in a row. You do wonder if they'll do some sort of ticket offer for it. You'd you'd like to think. I know it's a team from a division above, but it's not that exciting of a cup tie, is it? Mm. I think they'll just do full price though. No, no, look, there you go. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Well, let's talk about the Barry game. We put it off long enough. Um, yeah, it's now three league games without a goal for the Blues after the nil-nil draw with Barry. It's four home games actually since we've um, scored, uh, but they showed a bit of resolve to earn that point. And uh, I mean, it was a fair. I mean. A lot of people said it was a boring game. I don't think it was that boring. I've seen, I've seen worse nil-nils. I've seen worse nil-nils this season for Carlisle. Never mind, you know, that. So, yeah, it wasn't It wasn't boring. It was, I think, just from sort of the hour mark, we all knew it was going to finish nil-nil. Yeah, well, there was that late flurry, uh, wasn't but, there? But... Yeah, by something happening. And I think we had the better of it. Yeah, but not massively, you know. Just... You'd probably argue they had the better chances. We'll we'll come onto that in a minute. Yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, obviously. So for before the game, obviously it was a one o'clock kickoff, which was incredibly irritating, quite frankly, for coming up. And I actually drove up to this one rather than getting the train because I didn't fancy being surrounded by the uh, the furnace hordes on the uh, the train up uh, before the match. Um, and also the likely police presence in town. Um, lineup announced in midday. A little bit of a surprise to some, I think, that Danny Devine wasn't involved after the big at midweek. I I think people have got a bit too overexcited about this from Millen. What do you think? Yeah, possibly. Uh, I think it was more uh, we're chuffed he's had a good 90 minutes because mm. he hasn't played much sort of thing. Yeah, And he's, well, as we'll come on to, he's got a, a great chance because Callum Guy will miss this week, won't he? So, well, yes, we'll touch on that shortly. Yeah, well, we'll get to that shortly. We'll cover but... That, but... But yeah, so, I mean, in terms of the actual lineup, O'Reilly's absence was a big surprise. But obviously, we now know that there was a foot injury involved there and hopefully yeah, he's yeah. for the weekend, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. I mean, as an argument, Abrahams was probably lucky to start, but I mean, the fact that he'd started him in the previous two games... Just, and I think, I think by all accounts, he'd done okay in that Morecambe game. So, yeah. I, th- I think with Abrahams, he's just trying to play him into some sort of form. 
Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. In fact, we'll, we'll come on to him in a minute because we're going to talk about individual performances um, in this section as well. But um, first up, very smart from Barrow early on, getting us kicking uh, towards the sun, towards the Warwick Road end, and a sun that was a little bit lower than you'd normally expect, obviously, with um, the kickoff time and that, or even a bit higher, sorry, I should say. So it's a bit... It was... Um, you, could, you could see that some of the defenders were struggling a bit early on, weren't they, in terms of being yeah. able to see the ball a lot. Um, yeah, keepers obviously have the advantage of being able to wear a cap, you know. Yes, that does help a bit as well. Um, we actually started the game quite brightly, didn't we? I mean, we nearly had the quickest ever Cal United goal. Yeah, that would have been some start, wouldn't it? Yeah, 10 seconds in, a long ball forward, a flick down and ball came nicely to Clough. I mean, I think if it lands on his right foot, there's a good chance it's in the back of the net, but it's on to his left foot, wasn't it? And he... Decent effort on target, but you'd back Paul Farman to save that any day of the week, wouldn't you, really? You'd, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't expect him to be beaten. Um, guy also had a dipping volley, but I think people in the East Stand side and people with that camera angle from the highlights got a bit overexcited about that. It was quite a long way wide in the end, wasn't it, that effort, I think? It's fair to say. Then came the Barrow chances, didn't they? And these were two big, big chances for them, weren't I would say. Yeah, yeah. You would have expected them to take at least one of these two chances. I mean, definitely the second one. I mean, the, the first one was was a sort of a, a good bit, bit of work by a former Blues man, Connor Brown, down the right. And um, his ball into the box found Gordon six yards out, completely unmarked. And he somehow, somehow managed to head it wide, didn't he? It looked easy to hit the target, really. And he, he looked pretty furious with himself after that. And then, I mean, this chance was even bigger than, than that, you'd argue. Just a long punt forward. I think it was Jones, the defender, that launched it forward. And I don't know what Whelan and Miller were doing on this. Maybe there's some that got in their eyes on this one. I'm yeah, not sure. Possibly. But, but they just completely misjudged it. And, and Zanzala seemed to be... It, it seemed like the, the crap defending put Zanzala <laughs> off. He was like, seriously going to give me a chance to easy this? Because he was through on goal. And all he had to do was tap it past Howard. In fact, he could have squared it to Gordon for an empty, empty net to put it in. And for some reason, instead of going sort of back across into the bigger gap, he tried to put it in the near post, didn't he? The nearest to him. Yeah, and yeah. Managed to knock it wide and you could see that he was just like, oh God, what have I done? And obviously the ironic tears went up, didn't they? And I mean, what were you, just before we get into more, what were your thoughts on Zanzala? I mean, he looked lively, but he looked at, he looked like, to me, the player that we signed initially, the one we saw for the first yeah, two months after yeah, the Yeah, he, he was more the first half of his time with us in the second half. Uh, yeah. I think he was obviously trying a little bit because it was against mm. us and he'll, he'll want to prove a point. But on on that evidence, would you have him back? Questionable. Questionable. But we've seen it. We can see what he can do, whereas with, yeah. with someone like Abrahams, we haven't actually seen really what he can do by <laughs> a couple yeah. of tap-ins. So it's a bit different. Um... Clough had to come off, didn't he? Concussion, first ever concussion yeah, for us. Yeah, uh, just something and nothing really, wasn't it? Just if you if you watch it, it's basically it's one way. I think Abraham's plays the ball, and there's a bit of a little bit of a mix up between the two of them, isn't there? And then he he just sort of butts heads with Banks. It's not a headbutt, I should say. It's just a basic that they sort of come together, don't they? Because the trying to get to the ball, and Banks is perfectly fine for it, but you can tell straight away Clough was a bit. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. all right. And then obviously he tried to play on for about four or five minutes and it just wasn't to be and he had to come off. And obviously we're not 100% sure. I'm sure the, the rules on concussion, if it's confirmed, are you've got to have two weeks off, haven't you? It you all depends. Play. on there's a, there's a testing protocol on yeah. that and basically depends what the doctors 
decided on and it's all to do with the immediate 24 hours uh, after it. I know you're not to be left on your own at any time in those 24 hours. Yeah. So I was actually passing uh, Brunton Park yesterday mm. and the players were coming back from training and Clough was there but obviously we don't know what sort of training he's done. He could yeah. have just been walking around the pitch for all we know. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so after that, there was probably one more chance for United before half-time. Brad Young, good bit of patient build-up from the free kick. The interesting is, rather than just launching it in, that's one thing I did notice. We, we, we tried this a few times, just patiently passing the ball about and comes to armour on the left ball into the box. And Young, it was actually quite a smart little turn. Mm. Gets himself away and he, he sort of dinks it over the key of a farmer and it just goes like, but actually, if you watch the Pitch Side Blues YouTube video, Farman catches him. And it's one of those ones you look and you think, could you argue a penalty there, maybe? Yeah, yeah. And you don't see them given very often, to be fair, because the argument is you've got a shot away. But you could also argue, well, I wasn't able to get a proper shot away because he fouled me, basically. I had to quickly take it. So one of those ones, and I think Young appeals. Young's the only one who appeals it, really. So I don't yeah, want to yeah. get given. Um, yeah, there was only really one more chance for Barry in the game after this, wasn't there? I think and that was the sort of long free kick into the box. One time that Howard really did something wrong in this game, he, he comes through and doesn't get anywhere near claiming it. And I think it was Jones, the big defender, didn't he? Beat into it, but he sort of heads it over the bar. And, yeah, it just sort of looped over, didn't it? Yeah, and uh, that was really it for Barry. I mean, they only had, what was it, 38% possession in the game? We had mm. 62%. Must be the most possession we've had in a long time outside of playing. Like non-league teams in the cup and things like that. Well, officially they didn't have a shot on target, did they? No, they didn't. So I mean, that's 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 quite telling. How we didn't actually have anything to do in that sense. Um, but United had a couple of um, chances late in the game, didn't they? Uh, let's let's talk about the McDonald one first. I mean, it's one of those ones he could have done with scuffing it, really, couldn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he probably hit it too well because he was sort of going backwards as he hit it, hence why yeah. it went upwards and it fairly cracked the bar, you know, so he'd obviously got a bit of a uh, boot through it, but mm. uh, Barrow scrambled it away. Dumped it away and then Sam Fishburne, oh, so close to that dream yeah. moment, wasn't it? And I, I think you've got to give credit to Ollie Banks here, haven't you really? Because it, it, it's sort of a, it's a ball sort of played back in by Dickinson after a cross from the right. And Fishburne actually takes a really good touch, actually, when you watch it. Mm. He sort of opens out to his body and he just sits up for him to hit it. And Banks is just alert enough to nick in and get the block in and he actually hurts yeah, himself yeah. in the process. And ah, just one of those ones. If that had gone in, can you imagine what the, the noise would have been like just to see him score his first goal as well? He'd have been sold by Munda. <laughs> he would have been, actually. Would Two have been million. Off, off to Sunderland or somewhere like yeah. that, probably. But there you go. Um but yeah, I mean that that was it really in terms of um, chances. Um, the only other significant moment, as you touched on it already, Dan, um, there was an altercation between Bruff and Guy, and it, it was a bit of a, much of nothing really. It wasn't a little bit of handbags. Yeah, handbags. It, yeah. To be fair, it was the only time it really flared up in the whole game, which for yeah. a, a, an alleged derby is a bit disappointing. Yeah, that was the one. I suppose disappointment was it really, and um, obviously Bruff and Guy were both booked. And that means Guy has now picked up five bookings for the season, so he will yes. miss the trip to Exeter this weekend, which is a, a bit of a blow, because actually, I think Guy probably had his best game of the season in this match. Yeah, so excuse me, he played quite well. Uh, you know, it's, it looks as though he's slowly, hopefully, turning into the player he was 
last season, you know. So maybe not having to lump the ball as much is probably helping him. And he's basically yeah, yeah. getting the ball down. He was spraying it about and having having a situation where you've been encouraged to use your centre backs and play the ball to them to pass it about as well does help, I think. And yeah, it, it's what you're starting to see. Really, I think is that. Keith Millen's got a bit of a plan for this team, hasn't he? He's starting to work on a plan with him, isn't he? You, you can you can certainly tell that he's he's laying down his his formulas on the training pitch, and you know, and he wants this done, he wants that done, and it, it's early days, but you know, I mean, he, <coughs> excuse me, he did say he wanted to tighten up at the back, and you know, we're we're doing that. You know, it's not it's not brilliant, but you know, it's. From little acorns to mighty oaks grow, they say, you know. So. Yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. The defensive point is, is is a really good one. I mean, Northampton, compared against the Northampton game, it, it was a huge improvement. Yes, Barrow are not going to be as strong an opposition as, as Northampton this yeah. season, I don't think. And you, you can't, Northampton was a free pass, let's be honest. Yeah, it was one of those ones. It was, it, yeah. it, it, you, I hope we'll probably look back and go, look, it's just a bit of a freak result. Everybody had a really bad game that day. I mean, McDonald. He, he had one day on the training pitch and they travelled, yeah. you know. So yeah, I mean, arguably with this game, McDonald's probably ran guy close for man of the match. I think yeah. I think he had one of his better games. He kept Zanzala pretty quiet for most of the match, and yeah, I, I, I just, I, I just think you know we're just starting to see a few of the little signs here, and and maybe just maybe we can start turning the corner a little bit here, possibly. Yeah, I mean. We're being cautiously, cautiously optimistic, aren't we? I think it's the way we describe it because yeah, yeah. He's, he's clearly recognised where the weaknesses are. He's tightened up defence a bit. He's basically said to the team, "You can't play direct football. You haven't got anyone capable of, you know, holding the ball up or flicking it up on. We need to get the ball down and pass it." And you could see that we passed yeah. the ball out from the back pretty much every time we could. And when we did play it long, it was more sort of lofted balls into the channels for Abraham's and Young to chase. Which makes sense, you know, especially for Young. Young's the kind of player who can do that. Yeah, no, no problem. He's got, a, he's got a little bit of pace about him. He'll run yeah. all day, won't he? You know. Yeah, I mean, he tied himself out. I think in the second half, he looked. Yeah, yeah, really. but, that, but he's that's, not playing uh, much football, is he? But also, that's where having someone like Fishburne on the bench is good because Young can absolutely batter himself for sixty-five mm. minutes, and the defenders think, "Oh, glad he's gone off," and then you bring in another one, the same, you know, similar age, who's got the energy to run for the last 25 you know I mean, and he's also got a bit of a height presence as well yeah is, and ho- hopefully it'll be about. you know I'd, I'd like to see that happen for a few games you know young start and fishburn come on for him and between them get the odd goal here and there you know well let's talk about fishburn because um that's a couple of sub appearances that in last uh, few games now and i've got to say I'm, I'm quite impressed with him because you sometimes see these young lads come in who've scored a few goals for the youth team haven't they and they've done well and they just look a fish out of water, don't they? Excuse the pun. Um, they, 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 they don't really cope with it and they, they look a bit daunted and overawed by the whole experience. He doesn't look like a lad in that sense, does he? No, no. He looks like he's confident. That that few weeks at Lancaster have done in the world of good because forget yeah. about the difference in levels. Hmm. He'll have been up against players who've been round the block in non-league circles. Well, and some some of them will have come from league clubs, you know, yeah. and they won't take kindly to a young lad from a pro club coming and running them amok. You know, he'll have had some battles for Lancaster and well, hopefully it's hardened him up a bit, you know. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that he played against Steve McNulty, didn't he? Yeah, we all yeah. know what McNulty's in exactly, units. Yeah, and he's been about, and he scored two. Was it? Did he score a hat trick against him, or was it, it two was goals against that, him? Yeah, yeah. 
if one of the two, and like, I mean, that, that shows, you know, he's done that against a lad like that, then he's not going to have any worries about someone in the Football League, you know, yeah, in yeah. League Two. So, but you know, I, I just feel like, I think you've said this before, Dan, and I agree. I think once he gets one, he could go on a real run. He really could. Yeah, yeah. And for me, I'd, I'd be looking to just get him a little bit of game time, just build his game time up gradually. Get him more and more minutes over the next few weeks. I don't think he's ready to start yet. I, I can totally understand why he's on the bench. But I, 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 I just think he needs to be on there each week and he needs to be like, getting like, game a, time. like I say, young starting with Fishburne coming on for him, I think that's a way to go for yeah. a few weeks. Is it, yeah. it means they'll both get minutes. And like I say, with a bit of luck, they'll both get the odd goal. And, you know, and it'll only do wonders for them. Yeah, and you can alternate between Abrahams and Alessandro, basically. You play up top, depending on who you're playing, I suppose, Ooh. really. But uh... Excuse me, a wave of excitement came over me there. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's mention him then, Abrahams. I mean, I thought he was better than previous games. You know, he wasn't, you know, yeah. world beating, but... He couldn't be any worse. No, he couldn't have been any worse than some of the other no, games. But no. but you know what? I think he worked a little bit harder, which is what you want to see. I still think yeah. there's a little bit more to come for him. I really do yeah, think he yeah. needs to do more. But I mean, I was looking before at his goal record. His goal record's actually not that good. No. <laughs> before he came to us, so maybe we need to actually temper our expectations a little bit in terms of what he's actually going to do anyway. I mean, you'd ask the question why you brought him in, I guess. But he did play more out wide a lot, didn't he? Beach made a... A thing of saying, you know, he's being played out wide a lot. We want him through the middle. So, it, you know, yes, he's probably readjusting, but you just want that little bit more, don't you? Yeah, you definitely you definitely do. Um, in terms of midfield, we obviously mentioned Guy already and we think he'd he done really well. And obviously, he's going to be missing next week. Now, John Mellish um, is a name that comes up a bit. Now, I think he's actually doing better in a midfield too than he's getting a bit of credit for, personally. I think he's been a lot more disciplined than people thought he would be. I think people thought he'd be a bit of a headless chicken in there. He's been solid, but... He and I loses said this his before, freedom, doesn't he? Yeah, you lose his freedom. You stifle Whereas everything that's good about him. In a free, you can allow him to charge about a bit because you've still got two dropping yeah. in, haven't you? Now, it maybe seem harsh, this, but I wonder if it may be at the moment, while we're playing this four four two rather than a four three three it'd be worth maybe dropping him to the bench and using him as a sub coming on later in games when teams are tiring and he basically just can go about and maraud and just have a real good go. Do you know, do you know with that, do you know what he'd be quite good at? Obviously, I know Clough might be missing a couple of games, but hmm. Clough, he's obviously not full, full fitness, is he? Because he, he no. didn't seem to last games. But it'd be quite interesting if you could get 70 minutes out of Clough in a number 10 role, sort of, as a second striker... They bring Mellish on for the last twenty minutes just to bother defenses. Yeah, be quite interesting that. Yeah, he doesn't even have to be a full-on you know, centre forward, like you said, just no, a little no. bit withdrawn a bit. Yeah, but you've been interested to see. Do I mean, look, we're big fans of his, and like I said, I, I, it's not a case of I think he's playing badly. I just think maybe to get better benefit from him coming on in games later on, and then maybe you can stick someone like a Riley or a Charters or a Divine in there who's a bit more of an actual midfield player funny you mentioned charters there I, I was talking to a couple of people on Saturday mm. and we all sort of agreed that you know Gibson and Dickinson are likely going to be the first choice starters out wide mm. Ch- charters isn't a bad option for whichever of the two isn't producing as much on the day yeah because we, we know he can play both sides and He's actually played some nice little stuff when he's come on in his yeah, little he's, appearances. He's, he's, he's been quite tidy. I, I, I do wonder if when you bring him on in that situation as well, that's when you can look at maybe flipping to a 4-3-3. Three, three. 
yeah. stick a go in with midfield three with him in and then push yeah. Dickinson or Gibson further forward in a front three, maybe that's that's a potential option. Um I just have to say I thought Gibson probably had one of his poorest games since he joined us at the weekend. He just wasn't on the it wasn't at the races, was he really struggled yeah, a little yeah. bit. But why why men at this level have games like that, yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, just one more individual performance to mention. Yeah, we've got to talk about Kelvin Miller. I've noticed at the weekend we we were using him a hell of a lot. We really, really were going down the right quite quite a bit of our play, and, and he was getting a lot of space as well, which surprised me because I, I thought Bruff had a really good game for Barrow, actually. So surprised he was getting Yeah, because they, they play, he plays as a wing-back as well, Bruff, yeah. so he gets up and down, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, and I thought Miller got up and down quite well, and I've got to say, I, I'm quite impressed with how he doesn't just lump it forward, does he? He's always trying to place it into someone. There's a few times he played some nice passes actually into the area rather than there was, just there was a couple. Of, there was a couple of times when Gibson had it and he was sort of up the blind alley and he was there as an option, you know. So if yeah. Gibson looks up and sees him, he can roll it back 10 yards and Mella can put the cross in, you know, which is sort of something we sort of lacked on the right-hand side a bit since Tanner left, you know, yeah. so... Yeah, so no, no, quite quite impressive him, and you, you can really see he's been, you know, he's, he's had some quality co- coaching in the early days of his career. So, yep, decent signing he's been. Um, so yeah, I think that just covers it, Dan, doesn't it? Really, overall, you know, point to point, another one on the board, moved out of the bottom too. So, Woo-hoo! progress, isn't it? It's, it's it's very small progress, but I think we've got to be realistic, and we've got to basically look. We're, we're not going to become world beaters overnight. And actually, Millen's plan is quite a smart one in just being, tighten things up, look to get your nil-nils and your one-nils and nick a few results here and there and keep as many clean sheets as you can. And I, you know what, I'll happily take that to get us through to January and then get a few players in to improve us. And I'm starting to sort of agree with him a little bit in the sense that I think this squad is a bit better than it really is showing. And he probably just needs those experience heads in there to lift the players a little bit more. So... Have to see who we can get in January, won't we? Um, yeah, it's going to be a big January. Really big January. Right, I think that's it for the first half, Dan. So we'll uh, take a short break now and then we'll be back to discuss the trip down to Exeter this weekend. We're back for part two of the uh, Brunson Bugle here, and uh, it's the uh, preview section. And this season, the preview section of the show is being sponsored by the Cal United Sports Club London Branch. The London Branch is open to all Cal United fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore, and of course, every part of London and the South East. They regularly meet up on away trips, as well as arranging many social events and sports games, and they do fundraising for the club as well. They'll be providing us with information for the away games as part of the previous section of the season two. You can find out more about the London Branch at their website, carlislelondonbranch.org. Uh, we haven't actually got the pub for Exeter off them yet, because we're recording a little bit earlier than we normally do this week, aren't we, Dan? So what we'll do is when they, when they tweet... It out uh, before the, the game. We'll, we'll retweet it on the Brunton Beagle Twitter channel. Yeah, so if you definitely. want to find it, get yourself on there. Okay, this is the point where we normally do a catching up with the opposition podcast section. Um, but unfortunately, this week we weren't able to arrange a time with the guys from one of the Exeter City podcasts. Um, they've been quite busy with uh, a few other issues this week. So uh, hopefully, we'll catch up with them later in the season. So we're, we're just going to go straight into the. Also, uh, we, we did try to get hold of Yuri Geller, but his spoons <laughs> were too bent. So. Yeah, he, he couldn't quite understand what we were saying. Psychically, we didn't message him or email him, but there you go. <laughs> okay, so let's get right into then, Dan. Um, so yeah, it's a. Exeter City away this weekend. It's the 
I don't know if it is the longest trip actually because uh, Crawley runs I it think quite close. Crawley isn't it? is because I think it's to do with going around the M25, yeah. isn't it? I would have thought that would have been the reason, yeah. So it's either the longest or the second longest trip of the season, all the way down to St. James Park uh, to take on the Grecians. Um, referee this weekend is Will Finney. Bit of a funny name, that one. Um, it's his third season as an EFL referee. He's taken charge of 16 games a season so far, handing out 28 bookings and one red card. He uh, last took charge of a United game in September 2018 when the Blues lost 2-0 at Cheltenham Town. One of the goal scorers that day, Dan? Gavin Riley. Gavin Riley, indeed. Uh, Idel Thomas and Skugel were all booked for United that evening. Uh, classic clash. I was going to pick the game where Richard Offion got his only goal for us. <laughs> but I couldn't find any YouTube highlights, so I was like, oh, I'll leave that one then. That's, so, uh, that's, how, that's how rare it was. Indeed, indeed. Uh, so, the, yeah, I've gone back to the 2016-17 season, which was certainly an eventful one for Kai United Exeter City clashes, wasn't it? Um Played them four times over the league and playoff games, and the aggregate score finished 11-10 to the Blues. But it was Exeter, obviously, who would effectively come out on top by qualifying for the playoff final at United's expense. Um, but it's not that game that we're going back to. Um, we're going back to the first meeting of the teams at campaign, where United end up 3-2 winners thanks to a dramatic final few minutes of action. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this game, we went into this game, we just lost our first... For the first time that season, haven't we? I think it was against Newport the weekend before. We had that long and beaten run under Keith. And um, we went into this game. And I should know Exeter were actually bottom of the league when we played them this day. And we were second. And um, the game didn't start well, did it? I think it's fair to say. No. <laughs> uh, Sean Brisley switched off a little at the back. Uh, tried to head it back to Gillespie. Completely under hit it. And Reuben Reed nicked in and uh, poked the ball past uh, Mark in the Blues goal. Uh, it only took eight minutes to come back, though. Uh, Charlie Wake nipped in to get his head onto a, a Granger cross that sort of looped off the defender up into the air, sort of caught the keeper out a bit and um, got the equaliser. Um, into the second half, and uh, the Grecians took the lead again. Uh, on 54 minutes, the cross from the right was missed by three defenders, actually. It fell nicely for Lee Holmes, who's a classy little player he was, I was routine to remember. Um, and he side footed into the net from eight yards out. Um, it looked like they were going to pick up a, a vital away win, but in the final few minutes... It went balmy, didn't it? it? It was balmy. There was a huge amount of time added on this game. It was ridiculous. Um, it was about seven or eight minutes, wasn't it? For yeah, it was eight? seven and eight minutes initially. Um, now, firstly, Sean Miller pounced to head home Nick Adams' cross from the left to make it 2-2 on 89 minutes. And then a few minutes later, Jamie Devitt picked up a booking for descent. I mean, it, I watched back the highlights now. It's a ridiculous booking. because he, he runs in with his hands behind his back. Unless he said something really offensive. Yeah. It seemed a bit daft that he actually got booked for it. Very strange indeed. Um, so, yeah, he, he picked up a booking. And Wyke went very close to, to grabbing the winner, by it, but he headed a, a crossover. Um, but then, amazing, yeah, finally, he, he got the winner in the 97th minute. So Lamb plays the ball to Adams on the edge of the box and he, he plays a little dick ball into to White. Yeah, I remember that one, yeah. He, he tries to volley it first time with his right foot and completely misses the ball. But it lands just nicely and he adjusts himself really quickly and just smashes it home with his left foot. I remember this because I'd gone down to the far end of the paddock to make a quick getaway, I think, to get to the pub and get a, a, a seat. And it just went absolutely balmy. Somewhere I've got a video that I filmed, because I think I filmed a bit of it on, Inst- on my Instagram video or something, of me going absolutely balmy after the goal winning. I'm going to have to dig it out, because like, it was an incredible moment. And it just went balmy. 
I've never seen the, the ground go that mad for for a long time at that point. Um, mad, mad, mad as it is, there still was time for more things to happen, wasn't there? Though, I mean, Devitt got sent off for his second booking for a late tackle from behind. If you watch, it could well have been a red. It should have been a red. It was a horrendous <laughs> tackle. And then from the free kick, they they launched the ball into the box and it looped up in the air and was landing sort of on the line into the net. And Gillespie jumps up to get it and the Exeter keeper Christy Pym. He was only about five foot ten, wasn't he? He was not the biggest keeper in the world, him. He sort of barges into Mark, doesn't he? Pushes yeah. him into the net. But obviously the goal gets disallowed and he gets booked for it. And that was the end. A hundred minutes up and final whistle was blown. It's, it's it's incredible. I mean, you look back at the team that day now and you look at the team we got now and you think, well, we'd give for a few of those names in the team, wouldn't you? What would you give for a Jabba Ibiri up front right now? What I, thought, I thought you were going to say Reigns and Brisley at the back. Well, well. <laughs> Reigns just dealt with stuff, didn't he? Really, he wasn't. It wasn't the most, you know, the greatest, most cultural defender in the world. But he'd put his head on anything that came back there, wouldn't he? I think the difference is probably when you look at the bench. There was people who could do a job. I mean, yeah, Ellis and Gillespie both on there. I mean, Gillespie obviously playing at a good level now. Asamoa as well, and obviously uh, New Zealand international Max Crokem. And obviously the other players who came on, Sean Miller-Devitt and uh, Reggie Lamb. So there there you go. That's the classic match. And now, Dan, it's your moment uh, for the played for both. Uh, longer list than I thought it was going to be for this, actually. And, you know, considering the distance between the clubs, there's quite a few players who played for both, isn't there? Yeah, and I've picked one who is only 31 year old, but he hasn't played for three or four years. And he was born in Wales. I knew you were going to put this on. I knew you were going to put this on. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, you know why as well. Uh, it is Christian Ribeiro. Uh, hey. Started out at Bristol City. Didn't really make much of an impact at Bristol. Had a loan at Stockport, Colchester. He was up here for five or six games. Scunthorpe. And when he uh, left Bristol City, he was one of them players that you maybe thought he'd be worth going for. But uh, Scunthorpe he went to for a couple of years. And then he... Uh, he went to Exeter for a couple of years and uh, 14-16, he was uh, you know, pretty much an ever-present. Then he went to Oxford and he suffered a fractured ankle mm-hmm. in pre-season training and he was sidelined for most of the season and then he made his debut in April. So, you know, he only played a few games. And then in the seventeen eighteen, he started the season, but he got uh, a bad knee injury, which forced him to retire. He uh, he did actually make a couple of full appearances for Wales mm. in uh, the early part of the twenty tens. I'm just looking at it here. He made his debut uh, against Croatia in twenty ten, <laughs> and then he got his only other cap away to Switzerland in a. 2012 qualifying match so you know he, uh, he, despite the brevity of, inter- of his career internationally he apparently expressed pride that he played alongside the players that took Wales to the Euros <laughs> and uh, yeah it's since he's uh, retired he now does property development because mm. he appeared on Homes Under the Hammer one day he did indeed. which is one of my favourite daytime programmes and uh, yeah, he was just. I, I was looking. I thought, I know his face, and it came up. Uh, two lads had bought a house, and they said, "Oh, Christy," and, and I can't remember the other lad's name. And then they said, "Oh, he used to be a footballer." And I sort of did a quick Google, and uh, yeah, it seems he's uh, he's a property developer now. So he's uh, 
it might appear on Holmes Under the Hammer again. Oh, there you go. I'm mean, just having a quick look at his wiki page there because I was thinking, did he only play five games for us? That's hard to believe. And he, yeah, he only played five. I was sure he was, because mm-hmm. he was when I was working at the club back then. I'm sure he was there a bit he longer. He played two in the FA Cup as well. Ah, right. Well, that'll be where the extra ones come yeah. from. But yeah, really nice lad, actually, I have to say, when he was at the club. Really, really impressed him. And he's, like you said, he's one of those ones. I think he would have been actually a, a pretty uh, decent signing for us, potentially. Um, Interesting to know, he's actually got Portuguese heritage as well through his dad, apparently. So, uh, which would explain his surname. Indeed, indeed, it would. Um, yep. Yeah, so there you go. That's that's Christian Ribeiro. I'll, I'll quickly bash through the list. There's not not as many as usual, but uh, still a few to, to mention. Obviously, Tristan Abrahams. He had a loan spell there. Didn't did okay. I think at extra track. I think one of the few clubs he's actually scored at. <laughs> um, <laughs> Troy Archibald Henville. He's the only one I thought you might pick really because I thought a big, big Troy was a. One of those players, you know, if he, to be fair, if he didn't have a knackered knee or knackered knees, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have been in league two. He, he wouldn't have been at us or Exeter. He would have been probably been playing championship at least. He was that good a player. He's really, really quality player. Ian Atkinson, I think he was sort of an early fifties one possibly. Archie Blue, that's a great name, isn't it? For great a name that. Uh, he was an Australian international, actually. He moved over to Australia after he finished his career in England and played for Australia. Uh, Jimmy Blaine, Ryan Bowman, uh, Martin Butler. I think he was an early 90s loney, I think, possibly. You probably vaguely remember him from your early yeah. days. Um, a, a one-game wonder, Danny Butterfield. He had uh, obviously played that one game for United, then actually signed for Exeter. Played about 200 games for Exeter in the end, didn't he, I think? Long spell there. Uh, ben Clark, um, Russell Coughlin. Um, sadly passed away a couple of years ago, didn't he? I think he was living back up in um, Cumbria by then, wasn't he? Um, Ian Davis, Brennan Dickinson, obviously he was at uh, Exeter, I think, before we signed him, actually, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Um, Rob Edwards uh, was Cali United's youngest ever goal scorer until Jared Branthwaite popped up with one, um, although you probably don't count Jared's goal, <laughs> Dan. Um, Stuart Elliott, I mean, he, he seems to appear in this every few weeks, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Has he played for something stupid like 24 clubs or something like that? I think it's something outrageous. Um, Craig Farrell, I forgot he actually played for them as well. And Paul Harry's two proper blasts from the past there, aren't they? Uh, the Maltese Falcon, Dylan Kerr. He, he was at uh, Exeter as well. Uh, Ryan Loft, I think he only played a, one game maybe for them, I think, or maybe a couple of games. Um, Gary Marshall, Aidan McCaffrey. Gordon Owen, Tom Parks, Lenny Pidgeley, Christian Ribieri mentioned obviously already. Another one I thought you might pick, Jamie Robinson. He's a, mm. He had a spell down there as well, didn't he? Um, Jack Stacey obviously broke our hearts. Uh, Cleveland Taylor and f- until, you know, only about 10, 15 years ago, our uh, only ever international at that point, Eric Welsh. He had mm. a spell at Eric too. So there you go. Right, well, let's get into it, Dan. Let's talk about uh, current day Exeter now. Um... In terms of head-to-head, we've played the Grecians 65 times in our history. Uh, 20 wins for us, 18 draws, and 27 wins for Exeter. It's not really a happy hunting ground, St. James Park, is it, when you think of it down the years. Although we had some exciting games against them. We've had a couple of 3-2 wins. Obviously, the one where Offion scored, and the one, the away game in the the playoff season a few years ago. Um, We famously won 3-2 on the last day of the campaign. Um, But yeah, I mean... They're a good model of a club, similar size to ours, aren't they, at this level, really, in terms of how to actually run a club from what we've seen in recent years. And I know people look as old, they've been stuck down at this level, they haven't managed to get promoted, but in terms of the way they run, it's just so much better than us, isn't it? it wouldn't be hard, to be fair, but... No, wouldn't take much, would it? I mean, they're, they're supporter-owned, 
They're developing their own talent, not just to sell on, but actually to fill their first team squad. I looked through the squad before the show today, and there's loads of players in there who've come through their academy. Yeah, yeah. And play regular football. And what they do, they send them out on loads of places like Tiverton and to Truro and stuff like that, don't they, really? Basically, they go and play some football at non-league level and bring them back toughened up, ready for their first team, which I hope is what we're starting to do. We're sending the likes of Fishburne to Lancaster and stuff like that. And, you know, if hopefully if working to them get themselves back up another level, we then got another better level to send players there as well, haven't we, really? That's what the, you'd, you'd hope for. Yeah, definitely. Um, but what they do, they invest that money from the transfers really well, don't they? That's the thing that stood out. I mean, it was a couple of weeks ago they announced this, wasn't it, about their uh, training complex? They Basically, the Trust have approved a £2.2 million revamp of their training ground, basically. So they've got a load of temporary buildings there. They've been there for 30 years, apparently. And they're taking them down, and they're going to build a new two-story building there. It's going to include a gym and uh, a video analysis room and stuff like that, and, you know, an actual canteen for the players to eat and things. I mean, it's a world away from what we do. You know, we basically have them down Brunton Park sat in the dressing room maybe up in Sunset Suite to do a little bit of stuff yeah, yeah. you can only dream of actually having a set yeah. up as good as that can't we really so there you go um, they've properly redeveloped St James's Park in the recent seasons though, haven't they Dan so it's yeah. a tidy little ground now for, for a lower league level I mean I, f- I figure back to the last time I went or when I've been in the past I'm trying to think the first time I went I can't remember if they'd built the the long all-seater stand where the camera Films the matches. I'm not sure if that was there or not. Cause it would have been about first first time I went. They hadn't. It was the old the old one. Yeah. So I don't think that had been built yet. Um, and especially the, the one on the opposite side definitely hadn't been built. That was still the old wooden one there. Yeah. I remember sitting in there one season. I've stood on the old small terrace behind the goal as well. Um. And yeah, what they've done is they've just gradually built up bit by bit, and it's now a ground that basically. If they got to the championship level, it'd be a good ground for that level, wouldn't it? It would suit them, basically, essentially. They wouldn't have many problems, would they? No, they certainly wouldn't. Um, what, what they've done, obviously, they've, 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 oh, that's, there's one side of the pitch that the camera looks at. They can only build the stand so far, can't they? It only takes about half of the pitch. And that's because the, the railway line runs a bit behind there and there's not really room to build no, anything no. that's worthwhile building behind there. The stand behind the goal, the terracing, where we will be at the weekend, I only found this out the other day, is actually taken from the hive at Barnet when they um, took down one of the terracing bits, the temporary terracing bits behind the goal, Exeter bought it off them and moved it all the way down to Exeter and just rebuilt it there. And again, this looks so much better than it used to be. If anyone has ever been before, it was literally only about three or four steps previously, wasn't it? And they weren't very steep steps either, so you couldn't really see what was going on at the opposition goal most of the time. <laughs> so, what, very basic. But yeah, it's a lovely little setup they've got there now and it's a real credit to the work they've done. I mean, again, their supporters trust the amount of stuff they do. We should we should be looking at it. And I keep banging on about it and I'll keep banging on about it until something actually happens. As a club, we really should be looking at what they do and say, right, how can we emulate that? Because we're, we're in a situation where we are quite isolated like them. Now, they've got Torquay and Plymouth down the road, but bar that, there's nothing really else. Whereas we can look and say, we've got nothing around us. We can exploit our area, really. But that's, that's for another day, I think, that uh, discussion. Um, their manager, Matt Taylor, obviously we've, we've talked about it a few times, the fact, the fact that he started out as a goalkeeper and uh, then came back into the league as a defender, didn't he? An outfield player. Yeah. You don't see that very often, do you? First um, of two Matt Taylors in two weeks as well. 
Indeed, they played each other every week. I mean, that must have been a bit of a weird one for the uh, commentators talking about <laughs> Matt Taylor on the touchline. Which one? I don't know. Um, so yeah, he's uh, now into his uh, fourth season as Grecian's boss, and uh, he'll be hoping, Dan, won't he? This is finally the one where he makes a step forward and gains promotion to League One because he's previously led them to two ninth place finishes and one fifth place. Now that was the season that was curtailed early due to COVID, and uh, got them to the playoff final then. But then they were beaten. By Keith Curls, Northampton Town, weren't they? Mm. You mentioned this before, but Keith just had them really well drilled in terms of fitness, didn't he, at this point? And they just basically yep. battered the teams in the playoffs. That's essentially what yep. they did. So, a uh, bit unlucky in that sense. You do wonder, Dan, if he can't get them promoted this season, will he maybe take a look and think, I probably need to go somewhere else to fill my career as manager? Possibly. It's a tough one, isn't it, as a manager? What mm. do you do? Cause you, Paul Tisdale, yeah, he did win promotion in the past with Exeter but you wonder if a few times he looked at him and thought should I move on and then when he finally did it was probably a little bit too late wasn't it really I know he was quite settled there but it's a tough one as a manager isn't it you, you sometimes got to think when my stock's high do I move on or do I stagnate here tough one to judge I picked out star man here Dan, I don't know if you disagree with this one Matt J for me it's got to be um just scores goals, doesn't he? Basically, yeah. I don't. I don't think you can argue with that, especially the form he's in over the last few weeks. Yeah, I mean, he, he, Ryan Berman obviously left them in the summer, and he's basically become the talisman now. I mean, you could argue probably he'd, he'd gone ahead of Berman last season because he finished top scorer, didn't he? With um, eighteen goals, was that I think he got in the, the last campaign. Uh, this season so far, he's got twelve in nineteen appearances, and I think towards the end of last season there was other clubs sniffing about and. I, you wouldn't be amazed, would you, if a championship club came in and made an offer for him in, in January? No, no. And, and to be honest, they'll probably get a decent fee for him and again reinvest it. I mean, we mentioned it before, but obviously they put that money to their academy and that money has come from them selling Ollie Watkins to Brentford and then Brentford selling him on to Aston Villa for, was it 28.5 million, something like that? And I think they had a 15% sell-on clause in there, so they've got four four and a half million pretty much out of that. Which, you know, hopefully we'll get that when uh, Carlo Ancelotti comes back in to sign Jared Branthwaite from Well, uh, Sky Sports are saying that Dean Henderson wants to leave Man United. Well, so. yeah, that, 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 that's for the that's for the uh, ex-Blue section. We'll mm. discuss that in a minute, won't we? So, yeah, so they're, it, it's one of those ones, isn't it? They're, they're, they're basically, they're set up to just keep producing players, aren't they? And I think we're a bit behind them in terms of that. We're just sort of getting ourselves back in, in shape in terms of young players coming through, but there's encouraging signs for us. In that sense. Other key squad members, Dan, I've picked a few out here. I don't know, if, again, if you disagree with many of these. I mean, Cameron Dawson, he was quite well thought of, wasn't he, at Sheffield Wednesday, mm. I seem to remember. I think he, obviously his path was blocked by Kieran Westwood for quite a few years. And I think he, did he play for England under-21s at one point, I'm sure. I mean, he's 26 now, so he's yeah, not as young as yeah. he was. And I think he's basically just left Sheffield Wednesday because he just his career was completely stagnant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, they, they had issues with keepers last season, didn't they, stuff, and they had a, quite a few loan players coming in. At one point, I'm pretty sure. Did they not loan that Icelandic lad from um, from Reading? And I seem to remember he played against them for Morecambe at the weekend, kept a clean mm. sheet on a seven day loan, and then went back to Reading and came yeah, back to, yeah, <laughs> came yeah. to Exeter that weekend or something like that. Yeah, something against crazy. Morecambe again in the cup or something yeah, stupid. Something, or, yeah, something utterly ridiculous. It was. It seems to remember. But there you go. Uh, I mean, defensively, Pierce Sweeney and Jake. Caprice are very good defenders at this level. Yeah, yeah. I mean, getting getting Sweeney back after he'd actually gone to Swindon and then left because they were a bit of a basket case in the summer 
was it a it's, real it's worked well for them hasn't it it's worked so well it's a real bit of luck for them isn't it they must have looked and think that that's exactly what we needed yeah um up front Patrick Hammond he's not not scoring as many as he did maybe a few years ago when he was at Grimsby and Newport but He's a wise old head now, isn't he? He's 30. I thought he, knows, he was a lot younger. He knows what he's doing, doesn't he? Yeah. He's, he's going to pass a little bit on to some of those other players. Uh, I don't know if there's any others in the squad that you've spotted down that uh, stand out. I I've, always, I don't, I've always... He's, he's not a, a headline name, but at an anger, he just, he's, yeah. he just sits in there and, you know, he just does a bit of the dirty work sort of thing. But, you know, he's he knows what he's doing. He's... Uh, you know, he's just a solid, solid yeah. player. Because they've got a lot of young players in the squad, and if someone like him can really make a difference, can't they? He can really pass a bit on and yeah, be the yeah. sort of leader. They're the kind of player we need right now, really, yeah. in that sense. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. I think he's he's a good player. And, and, I, and I spot Giovanni Brown as well, actually, is an interesting yeah, one. Yeah. He was one that a lot was expected of at Colchester. Never quite did it. And you would have maybe just a, a fresh environment. He's bringing the best out of him, possibly. Yeah. That might be what it is. In terms of current form, we, could, we couldn't pick a tougher game, could we, Dan, really? No. Top, top of the form table. Um, compared to United's that, 23rd. We've, got, we've gone up one in the form table, so, you know. Yeah. They, they haven't lost since the second game of the season. It's a When they got beat 3-0 at Leighton Orient. So. Yeah, that, there's no disgrace. Not Leighton Orient have been very good this season, haven't they? And yeah. Yeah, it, it's one of those ones you look and you think, wow. This is a real test of, of what Millen's capable of doing with the squad we've got right now. It might end up being an eye-opener. It might end up being a surprise. <laughs> I think it's going to be one or the other. I don't think it's going to be like, oh, we expected that. I think it, 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 it's, it's really going to be an interesting tie, isn't it? Let's get on to United then, Dan. Uh, injury-wise, obviously we know Dixon and Norman are still out. Uh, well, as luck would have it, the club have just retweeted an injury update oh, as we're recording. This is this is wonderful, isn't it? Yes. Wonderful timing. Thank you so uh, much. Zach Clough is under a seven-day protocol. <laughs> So he'll miss uh, it then, I'm guessing. Yeah, he gets clearance after each day if he's done so much, but he says he's expecting him to be able to travel to Exeter with us. Hmm. So, uh, Joe Riley's still sore, apparently, but he's not joining in training properly. Uh, apparently, he's scanned. There's no structural, hmm. but I can't see Riley playing if that's... Not, it's not worth risking it, is it? The, yeah. No, they're leaving it to the last minute by the sounds of it. So, and obviously Norman and Dixon are still a few weeks away. Yeah, you'd expect that, wouldn't you? So there you go. Oh, there you go. We've got it. Got it from Kit. It's nice yeah. that Millen's giving it these updates because we've yeah. got a few managers who just don't like doing it. Whereas Keith Millen just been like, "Well, just tell people." Yeah, I, I, why, I, why make it such a secret? I mean, it'll be funny, but clubs are not going to plan based around a couple of injuries, are they? They've got to read the post-match comments from the previous game that said. Joe Riley missed through injury. So straight away, yeah. I'm like, well, Riley could be injured, so he might not play. Yeah. Why keep it a secret then? Yeah, no, definitely yeah. not. Yeah. And also, as we mentioned before, Callum Guy is going to miss the game uh, yeah. due to um, a suspension. I actually put here just one swap lightly, but I'd forgotten about Guy obviously not being available. So it's probably going to be two swaps potentially, you'd think. Maybe Clough for Dickinson, possibly. And yeah. Who do you bring in? Especially then? Dickinson against his old team. Yes, yes. Who do you bring in then for for Guy? That's the question. Well, if if Riley's injured, divides the obvious answer. You'd think so because he's a little bit more experienced than Charters, isn't he? So he's not and as experienced as you'd think, though. Is there he? was a slight at... suggestion that you thought that Guy and Divine were too similar to play together. Well, maybe that's what it is then. So, 
So yeah, the, I mean, the only other option is you put Feeney in, Feeney into vents and push Whelan up into midfield, maybe. That, that could be possible. Could be possible, but I don't think you'd yeah. want to disrupt the defence actually, no. because it's starting to look yeah, a little bit yeah. more like a unit in recent weeks, isn't it? Um, anything else you'd maybe change, Dan? Would you maybe bring in Alessandra for Abrahams, possibly? Possibly, yeah, because we're away from home, but mm. I would definitely keep Young up front still, yeah. and as we said earlier, look to replace with Fishburne with 2025 to go. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, if um, Cluffs goes down, I suppose he's still going to play. The guy's not involved. Who do you bring onto the bench then as well? Maybe Lewis Bell as well, possibly take him down with the obvious one? Yeah, yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah. But there you go. Um, What approach do you actually take to the game there, Dan? That's that's another question. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh... Go out and try and play our game. We've got to start doing that, you know. Yeah. Do you think do they're, I mean, they're having a good full week of training before they travel on Friday? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go, go and try and play our game, you know, yeah. and say, look, we're not as bad as our league position says. Yeah. This is us. We can we can play football. Come and have a go at us. I, I, I think I think what we need to do is work on what we did at Barrow and play a patient game. Don't force it for the sake of it. Keep, yeah. keep that passing and if you have to go back to the defence and play it back across the back four again do it just yeah. keep doing it don't give the ball away for no reason because we show them if we get under pressure we do struggle a little bit so, do you know something for the first five or ten minutes I'd like us to have a proper go at them hmm. just so they think he's not as bad as made yeah. out you know yeah and then then you maybe just say right just calm it down yeah, just keep yeah, the ball yeah. and pass it about keeping it tight is the key thing though I think we, we, we what we do not want is we do not want a repeat of Northampton where we get battered and we look a bit of a defensive mess because three clean sheets, even if we we drew like 1-1 or maybe lost 1-0, you've kept it tight at least. And you can yeah, say, right, yeah. well, defensively, we're looking better. We're up against probably the best, second best team when, in the when, division. When, when, you look at, when you look at the league table and the form, it's very similar to Northampton yeah. in that nobody really expects us to do much. Mm-hmm. But, there's, but further on from the Northampton game... There's no reason why we can't now. No, definitely not. Uh, yes, it'll be hard, but you know. Yeah, but there you go. Okay, Dan, let's have the predictions then. Uh, I've got Mike's in a minute, but let's have yours first. I'm gonna go for. You mentioned it earlier when Richard Offiong scored. It was it one nil that night. Three two. Three or three two. Joe Anjansa scored. Yes, yes. I, I was I was thinking of another game somewhere. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna go for like. One of those sort of random games where we sneak a 1-0 mm-hmm. completely against. Exeter are going to lose some time. Yeah. And we're normally the team that teams break runs against. <laughs> yeah. let, let us break a run for yeah, a change. Well, that, that Newport game that I mentioned, that, that at that point, I think they were struggling down near the bottom. Yeah. And we were flying at the top. And it was a game like, how have we managed to lose this one? Yeah, yeah. Basically. So, yeah. I'm going to go for a, a sneaking 1-0 from Brad Young. Ooh, okay. Right, let's have Mike's before I do mine. So here's Mike's prediction. I'm going to go for a 2-1 win uh, with... Uh, I'll go Clough getting off first and a Fishburne last-minute winner in front of the away fans. God, God please. God, please. <laughs> That's right there. Interesting. Uh, another one from his microwave there from Mike. Um, I'm going to go 1-0 as well. Let's let's be optimistic. Let's let, let's have a bit of belief. I nearly said one one. I was close to saying that, but I'm going to go for one nil. And I think Fishburne's going to get a late winner after coming on as a sub. 
grind out, and then on the counter attack, Brennan Dickinson flying down the left, and he'll whip in a ball into the box, and Sam Fishburne will crash ahead into the back of the net, right in front of those travelling away fans, which will include me and Mike. More on that in a minute. So there you go. That's the predictions this week. It won't include me, though, because I'm in Spain. You are. You're sunning yourself up. Yes. So you, you can you can watch it on the iPhone from the from the pool. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you could do that. Yeah, on your phone. Um, right. Okay. Let's have the XFL section done. Uh, not not as busy this week, but some interesting ones in there. Yeah. Not not too much to report this week. Uh, Ryan Loft scored at the right end this week in Scuddy's one all draw with Salford. Uh, Aaron Hayden scored another for Wrexham. They had a six-two win at Kingsland that, Town. That's free in a week, had a, isn't it? I think they've had a oh. they've had a real real couple of games. Uh, Wrexham. It looks oh. like it's started to click there. Ever, ever since the uh, the two owners went back to to yeah. America, suddenly they've turned it around. They? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they maybe left a bit of an ultimatum before yeah. they went. <laughs> uh, quite quite a regular on uh, the national league. Angelo Balanta yes. uh, got a hat trick in Dagenham's four-one win at Maidenhead. Uh, so he had a, a good mm. weekend. Kedwin, Kedwin Scott, scored for Gateshead again in the two-one win over Alfreton. He's going to be on the uh, the TV, isn't he? Yeah, uh, Gateshead, Gateshead beat Altrincham last night, and they're playing Charlton. I think they're the Friday night game, aren't they? Yeah, it'd be belt to that one. That should be a good game. Yeah. And then last night, Mark Cullen scored the winner for Hartlepool in a, a good win. This one 0 mm. at Wickham. Yeah, Wickham are really well this season, aren't they? So yeah, and Cullen is actually in a little bit of form. I think that's about his fifth goal in a dozen or so games. So, mm. You know, it just shows when it, when he's got his fitness, he can do a bit of a job. Yeah, and then the only other thing, which was one that you noticed, yeah. uh, and news of an international, uh, Bastian Henning played for Madagascar, came on as a sub in the 1-1 draw with Tanzania. In World Cup qualifying, they're bottom of the table in their group, I should say. So they're not they're not going to the World Cup, Madagascar, sadly. So, so there you yeah. go. And, and he, the... well, he actually he was only on the bench away to Benin yeah. a few days earlier. He didn't come yeah. off the bench. So. Yeah, no, he didn't. I can't really. It's six caps, and we must have missed this one a couple of years ago. Maybe we just didn't. No, no, it it, it was early this season. We mentioned him earlier in the ah. season. He in the first set of qualifiers. Uh, he was on the bench at home to Benin and mm. he played away to Tanzania. Ah. And then I think we just forgot to have a look when they ah. played Congo in a double header. Ah, well, there you go. So there in, you go. Uh, the, October. There's our man himself. Um, yeah, the interesting you mentioned, obviously, Loft scoring his uh, goal right in there. Against Salford. People don't seem to be noticing Salford are really struggling this season. Shame. Yeah, I know. It is a shame, isn't it? But they're, they're dropping down. I mean, a Barrow's form's dropping off a bit as well. There's always teams that drop down, you know. From, There's from always the one, isn't there? Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, the other bit you missed there, Dan, obviously, well, you didn't miss it because we mentioned it just before. Obviously, Dean Henderson apparently putting an ultimatum up to wanting to leave Man United because <laughs> yeah. he's been linked with a loan deal, hasn't he? An 18 month loan deal. But... Yeah, basically, uh, Man United, David De Gea has sort of been number one this season because. Yeah. Uh, Henderson had an injury at the Euros and he caught COVID and he actually hit him bad. He struggled for a bit. Yeah. He's only actually played one game this season uh, when Man United got beat yeah. off West Ham in the Carabao Cup. Hmm. And he's uh, he's not playing and he's down the picture when it comes to England now because Aaron Ramsdale's 
appeared on the scene. You know, Nick Pope's dropped out the England goalkeeping yeah. scene. So, and he must look at it. Well, Sam Johnson's playing in the Championship, West Brom. If yeah, I can actually yeah. get regular football in the Premier League, I'll be yeah, back in yeah. there. And funnily enough, a team that seem to be getting linked a lot at the moment are Newcastle. Oh, come on. Who have, who have money to spend. Come on. Come on, so, jo- come on the Jordies. For, for, 40 million is the sort of thing that seems to get Not enough. rumoured. Uh, if we, <laughs> our rumoured 10 or 20% would be... I mean, I'd imagine for, for someone who went that early and that young, it's probably more likely to be 10, isn't it? But even 10%, like 4, 4 million. million. Four to eight million, you know, maybe 15, you know, 15 would be six. And one thing to note, uh, I think, and I will double check this for next time, uh, when a team has sell-on clauses, I'm pretty sure they have to honour the sell-on clauses before they make any money. So what would normally happen, a lot of people aren't quite understand how it works. Say, say he signs for Newcastle for four years for yeah. forty million. Newcastle and Man United will agree ten million for four years. That's mm-hmm. that's how it goes. So there's always steady income coming in. Now when the first tranche of ten million came in, which would probably be immediately, Man United would then have to say, right, well, it's a forty million deal. Carl have had I don't know, fifteen percent, six million, we've got to send them the six million first. Yeah. Before they so, make a single penny. Sometimes they agree sort of deals, don't they, where they say, like, if you, if you take it more installments, we'll maybe send you a loan player or something like that. Something yeah, like yeah, that. I mean, it, it, it has been done before where teams have sort of been bought out of clauses as yeah. well. Mm. You know, but uh, it seems we're, to be the worst. That's... We're, we're not going to take a buyout right now, are we? We're looking no. at it. Nah, you're all right. You know, we're if, if we get four, six, eight million, it, it pays off a certain, in, well... Investor's not really the word, is it? No. Uh, well, more, more on that another time. But uh, yes, yes, you yes. know, we we could certainly clear the books and uh, have cash in the bank, and we'd certainly be a lot more attractive proposition. Indeed, we would. Indeed, we would. We can maybe look to build our own training ground, like uh, like Exeter did, couldn't we? Mm. Um, that's it then, Dan. Thanks once again to our sponsors, London Branch, uh, this week. And um, just a reminder to everyone: you can uh, subscribe to the podcast on all good podcast apps. You know, Acast, Spotify, Apple. Google Podcasts, anywhere like that. Just search for Brunton Bugle, click subscribe, and every time we release a new episode, it'll go straight into your app. Um, and obviously, if you can give us a review on any of those apps as well, where you can, that'll be brilliant. Uh, you can follow us on social media, at Brunton Bugle on Twitter, or just search for Brunton Bugle on Facebook. And we're obviously on the Be Just and Fear Not Facebook group and on the message board, thecumbrians.net. Um, new country for you, Dan. That's what I see. Yeah. Myanmar. Formerly Burma known to, as Burma yeah. to the older listeners. So yeah, I have a one. feeling that could just be a random one. Oh, I, funny enough, I think I seem to remember. I think I know someone from school who has been living out there. I think he might have moved back now, though. So it might not be him. But but there you go, a bit of a random one that was, isn't it? Maybe mm. someone out there visiting there. Although it's not the most stable country to visit, is it? I suppose. No, so, no. There you go. Um, in terms of upcoming episodes, Dan. Um, Gonna see if I can squeeze in a preview episode with Mike before Tuesday for the Harrogate game. It might be a difficult one to get in though, but I'll have to wait and see because I might have to work out and basically we might do a double header and do a preview of that and uh, the ex- uh, sorry the Walsall game at the same time. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually I, missing the Walsall game, so I won't. I will, I'm, I'm missing the Harrogate game, and but yeah. I'm back from holiday for Walsall, so so you'll be able to review that. I'll be watching yeah. the Harrogate game on iFollow to save a little bit of money because it's. 
quite costly to drive up at the moment with petrol prices involved. Yeah, so yeah. I've got to pick and choose. Um, but we are going to be doing a, a special episode this weekend. Me and Mike, the idiots that we are, are obviously going down to Exeter for the game. So uh, what we're going to do is, it's a long car journey down, we're sharing the car journey, so we'll uh, we'll just record a few little bits, talking about all things blues, and obviously giving you a bit of a, a feel and atmosphere for what the the day out is like following the blues on a long trip. We'll apologise in advance, because Mike is obsessed with his MPG on his hybrid car, yes. so if, it, if he keeps mentioning he's, uh, he's dropping a below level and that, that's, yeah. that's all it is, it's nothing too serious. Yeah, if he, if he goes quiet for long periods, he's concentrating on trying and getting the, the, the amount back down or something like that. But there you go. So we've got that. And then uh, the State of the Club episode special, we just haven't been able to fit it in yet just because of people's work shifts and stuff. Yeah. And obviously with Dan being away next week, it's going to be delayed for a couple more weeks, but we will be doing it. I promise you that because I think it's one that's really well worth doing. So uh, so there you go. So that's it done. Um, hopefully we'll be celebrating a, a famous away victory next week. That's that's the aim, isn't it? We can only, we can only dream. Touch wood. Touch wood. Touch wood, yes, indeed. Thanks everyone for listening and up the blues. Up the blows.